Quietly Loud. It's your host, Maddie, and I'm so, so glad that you are tuning in today because this conversation promises to be a good one. This episode was recorded unintentionally, but rather fitting, on Earth Day when I talked to Louisa Chiani, a climate justice activist in Washington, D.C., and someone who was very involved with a climate justice organization called the Sunrise Movement. Louisa is originally from California, but is currently a student at American University, where she has helped to bring a hub of Sunrise to AU's campus. Louisa was an absolutely wonderful person to talk to do, talk to and I'm so so glad that I got to get her insight for this episode. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Happy listening. Hi Louisa, thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, thank you for joining me on Earth Day. Unintentionally decided <laughs> to do a podcast on climate justice on Earth Day, but I guess we could just start out like if you could give a short background on yourself and how you kind of got to where you, you were in the realm of like climate justice and like your interests in it. Yeah. Um, so I'm from the Bay area in California and um, my parents did a really good job of developing like an appreciation for the environment um, throughout my childhood, spent a lot of time outside, you know, camping, hiking, things like that. We have a cabin up in Lake Tahoe. So I've always like had, I think, a really strong appreciation for nature and for environmental protection and stuff, but it wasn't until I got older that I really understood what's going on with um, the climate crisis and like um, what we actually need to do to make sure we have a livable future, like to really understand how high the stakes are. Um, That wasn't really until I got to high school and then in college, um, I knew about Sunrise and was kind of, unsure of like how to get involved and then um I had a few friends who were going to an action in I believe it was November of um 2018 and I actually couldn't go to that one that was like the first big sunrise action that lots of people saw where there was a sit-in in Pelosi's office and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez came in spoke before she was even sworn in um but I remember seeing videos from that and being really inspired and wanting to get involved and then I like started reading and like educating myself on the issue and um then I I went to another action I think it was in February um right like right after we got back from break and ever since then I've been pretty involved um with Sunrise DC and then we started um a hub at AU this when did we start it we started it like over the summer and it has been growing all year um so yeah awesome so I guess like we'll definitely go back to sunrise but just Mm -hmm. to kind of like start off through I guess your own understanding and like when you were growing up or even now what is your understanding of like climate justice and like what does it mean to you basically yeah um So the way that I usually think about it is climate change is an issue that doesn't, it it affects everyone, right? It it doesn't discriminate, but it affects more people. It affects certain people more than others. And this is because of the way that our society has been set up um, with like institutionalized racism and sexism and um, the capitalist 
society that we live in, mm-hmm. you know, for example, race is a bigger determination than wealth in terms of like toxicity of air. So if you look at like where power plants are throughout the country, the most polluted areas are usually um, areas where there are lots of poor people and lots of people of color. And the basically the way that um, the way that our, this is like specifically in America, mm-hmm. the way our society works and the way that it's set up and the people that are exploited and the people that are most affected by the climate crisis and by the like extractive nature of our capitalism where we're using fossil fuels and um, hurting so many people the people who are affected the most are the people who have the least power to change it and have have caused it the least right so Mm -hmm. like the fossil fuel executives who are you know controlling these power plants and polluting the air of all of these people don't have to breathe that air and if they don't want to but the people who are out there working every day at those plants the people who are living across the street from superfund sites that have never been cleaned up are the ones who are getting sick. Um, and because of the way our government is set up and and um, the way our society has been set up for so long, those people's voices are not heard. Yeah. And yeah. so climate justice is the mm-hmm. idea of like getting justice for all people, specifically indigenous people, people of color, poor people whose rights have been ignored um and who have been and are being and will continue to be hurt by the policies that the people in power have created to benefit themselves yeah no I really like that answer I think that was a really good answer and it honestly just like when you were describing it just made me think of it's just honestly social justice like at its core I feel Mm -hmm. like it's not really that much different just based off like it's just instead of it being I mean, but it is systemic. I would say instead of it being systemic coming from like, like systemic racism or something, it's just like systemic within these companies and these like governments for not taking action and stuff. So I really like that yeah, answer. Exactly. Um, so I guess kind of going off that, would you consider yourself to be a climate activist? I mean, I'm sure the answer is yes, but I just want to hear like your views on that like question. Yeah. Um, yes, I I would. I think that I there's like a lot of conversation around like the activist label mm-hmm. and um like who can claim it and and who cannot and I think that it's like up to the individual like if you are fighting for other people and you're fighting for um climate justice right like if you really truly care about it and um then I think I, I think that it is like an individual decision. I know that there are people who like choose to not call themselves that just because they don't want to. Um, but if you are, are fighting with like a, everything that you have and you have the best intentions and you're um, really like in it um, because you care, then I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, so yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. Do you find that like 
within specifically like climate activism and climate justice that there's a specific like there's a lot of pressure put on climate activists to kind of be like the perfect like representation of like yeah <laughs> would you want to like elaborate oh, yeah. on that because I feel like that's a big yeah. thing it's like you can't like for example with like take like veganism or vegetarianism mm-hmm. it's it's like seems like they're just like one extreme or another and it's but like in reality it's like literally any little bit you do like makes a difference and it's like it doesn't have to be these like um yeah individual exactly yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so did you want to like yeah. a bit more on that oh totally um that whole idea also ties in very well to like the idea of climate justice and how the people who frequently like are fighting really hard for climate justice like might not be able to bike to work because they have a job an hour and a half away and they have to drive every day Mm -hmm. and so yeah they are driving a car that's that uses gas and they're putting emissions into the air but like it's about perspective and and also a an idea that's like becoming much more popular um I think compared to like 10 years ago when we were just learning like reduce reuse recycle and like don't eat meat if you can and and use a reusable water bottle all of that stuff is still true and I think that now people are realizing that that's not enough and we have to create systemic change and that's more important than the individual than like the individual like oh I picked up this piece of trash and like I still do all of that stuff mm-hmm. um but that's just my decision like that's just because I want to do it and I would never say that somebody is like a, a bad climate activist because they eat meat or yeah, they... like moralizing it yeah like be good exactly yeah. I feel exactly like and it all has to do with like what sacrifices can you make as a person Mm -hmm. and lots of people just can't make those sacrifices and that's totally fine Mm -hmm. um so yeah there are definitely still and I think it's also generational like Mm -hmm. older people like my parents generation I think when they generally think of environmentalism and and climate activism if they even do think about that is that it's like the individual actions like using reusable shopping bags Mm -hmm. and it's a it's more about like conservation of like you know like minimizing waste and um like just the individual actions like what can you do yourself and I like doing that stuff because it makes me feel like I have some power when it you know often feels like we don't have very much power yeah yeah um but yeah it's definitely complicated and I think that that different generations obviously kind of have different opinions on how to feel about that stuff Mm -hmm. um, and how important it is but generally I would say that like the millennial gen z group of climate activists understand that that's just not enough and like if we want to do that then cool but it's not everything yeah I've read so many things and heard so many interviews where it's like the big companies that are producing you know the most carbon dioxide emissions 
often use their marketing towards or strategies towards like putting it onto the individual and making the individual feel mm-hmm. guilty and bad that they're not doing enough and like then they just it's just so sick like when you think about it like because it's yeah it's not it's like you have the most power like the individual yeah okay like maybe sometimes they have to use like a plastic um like PC utensil because like they're a college student and they like can't afford to like get these types of things or like yeah but they are not emitting the same levels of carbon dioxide that you are so yeah I just think that's so interesting and very sad that that's how yeah. so many companies portray it but oh yeah yeah so I guess moving on to the next question is um I guess we can go into like more about Sunrise. So do you want to like just explain for just the general population, like what Sunrise is and like just the pillars of it? Yeah. Um, so Sunrise is a movement of people fighting to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process. That's like our tagline. And um, the way that we do that is through basically these like there there are 12 principles my favorite things about sunrise is it's all about storytelling mm-hmm. and the way that we connect when we are so different everyone has their own experience and when you're fighting for something all together and you need to be like a cohesive movement it's really really important that you understand each other and so we do a lot of storytelling um at any meeting or like protest action that you go to, people will be telling stories um, because it puts everything into perspective when we're thinking about what we're actually fighting for because it can get really hard and really draining and to be able to like look at someone who is your friend or who you've never met before and know why they are there and know why they are fighting and that they're not just fighting for themselves but they're fighting for you too is really, really powerful. Mm. So I love that. Um, The connection aspect of the movement is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, Another really important principle is um, standing with other movements for change. So this intersects with the like social justice, climate justice idea. Um, in order for us to stop climate change, we have to have power at every level of government, so local, state, and federal. Um, and in order to do that, like in order to elect leaders that are actually fighting for us and combat the systemic issues that have exacerbated the climate crisis, we have to work with other social movements. So like we can't tackle the climate crisis and and fight for climate justice without addressing racism and all of the other issues that um, have made everything the way that mm-hmm. that they are. So I really like Sunrise because it, as a movement, works really really hard to um, include everyone's voices in the conversation and fight for people and elevate the voices of those who usually aren't heard um and it it's a human issue it's a social justice issue it's a human rights issue it's not just like about protecting nature and and, like wildlife conservation and things like that 
um it's because like we all deserve to live on a planet that can like sustain us and that's healthy Mm -hmm. um and with that we all deserve good paying jobs we all deserve like we all deserve health care we all deserve um a place to live and food to eat and all of that has to be addressed if we're going to actually tackle climate change and so I really love that I can like be a climate activist right and be fighting for climate justice and also be fighting for achieving universal health care and all of these other things that have to come together at the same time mm-hmm. yeah there's just I feel like when you talk about <laughs> when you talk about one social justice issue it's like there you just can't talk about one by itself like because they all you know go with each other and that's another thing that you mentioned I really also just from the few um sunrise meetings that I did go to I did also like really feel that sense of like community and connection like you were saying just to other people Mm -hmm. in the room who were fighting for the same cause and I think just by like I don't know like in school like studying different social movements in general you can just see how so it's so easy to for these movements like break up and because you know the the main goal of the movement becomes like people don't understand it, it becomes fuzzy other groups start to emerge within it they break off so but i do agree with you just like i guess that i haven't don't obviously have as much experience as you but just from like the very few interactions that i did have with the sunrise movement they did focus a lot on like movement and like what mm-hmm. it means to be a movement and how to like stay focused on that. So I think that's something really important whenever you're talking about an issue like climate change, climate justice, that can be so, so, so politicized, especially like in this country and like how easily yeah. it could be to like, you know, start to, pe- you start to lose people because people start to forget the message and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I do think that's like a really important thing that I think any movement needs to have like the solid foundation for it before they can actually go out and like achieve the goals they want to like no matter what it is but um so I guess my next question for you is I know you mentioned in the beginning that you like were involved with like Sunrise DC and then you started um, a chapter at American but where do you see your future being within the movement so do you see obviously like we're only going to be in college for like two more years which is crazy yeah where would you want to go after that like would you want to still stay involved or oh definitely yeah Yeah. um there are over 300 hubs around the country so like wherever you are you can find one um and you can start your own too it's really easy to do that if there's one in your area so I'm not concerned about like moving away wherever I am and and not being at school anymore um and I don't know what things are going to look like after we graduate I mean I don't know what's going to happen during this election and and during the time after that but um there are really really big plans for 2021 because we are running on time and mm-hmm. yeah. we need to um no matter where we are after this election we are going to be fighting really really hard and i'm really happy that i'm in dc hopefully i'll be in dc because um 
the DC hub, because we are like in the capital, gets called on all the time to do actions, like large scale actions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they are just incredible. The amount of work that the DC hub members do um, because they're not only working on local politics, but they're also working on federal politics and lobbying and actions like the one that um, happened in November, um, the like emergency wildfires action that came together in like two days. And yeah, the like energy um, that you get, like being involved in that stuff is really exhilarating and it, it's really powerful and it can also get kind of exhausting. Like the, the DC hub members are absolutely exhausted. The leadership team, most of which have full-time jobs and then also organize full-time. Yeah, because activism so, um, doesn't pay as important as it exactly. is. Doesn't pay, yeah. Exactly. The like full-time staff is like for national is really small. Mm. Um, and so those guys are working full-time and they're being paid, but everybody else is a volunteer. So um, I like really, really want to stay just involved as I am now, if not more, um, depending on like what my job is. I have, there's like a, a DC hub member who used to go to AU and, um, you know, like depending on where you work, I know that like lots of environmental orgs will pay for you to like go to sunrise meetings. Like you can have that on oh, your, cool, yeah. um, you know, like you can leave work early and go to a That's meeting awesome. yeah. because it, has to do with your work Mm -hmm. um and I want to work somewhere like that so like ideally they would intersect um I don't yeah to answer your question I don't really know but wherever I am I know that like I'll hopefully be able to maintain the same amount of involvement Mm -hmm. yeah and I going back to what you said about it being such like an energy rush and adrenaline rush but at the same time being so exhausting I yeah I like have done some like lobbying experience on the hill as well not for sunrise but for this organization called save the children um Mm -hmm. and it is like it was like one of my like it like made me want to like come to dc and like do all this stuff because i found it so fun and like exciting Mm -hmm. and i loved it but yeah at the same time it's exhausting and like i feel like any cause like that that's just like when there's it's hard yeah it's just difficult but it's so important because those are the causes I feel like that are the most important the causes that have no money thrown behind them but they're so necessary for like saving the world which is frustrating because how are you supposed to you know support yourself and live yeah 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 so I guess my next question is and I whenever I first met you you were like one of the first things you told me that you got arrested while at one of these protests yeah I guess just like kind of what are some of your most poignant experiences? I know I'm sure that had to be a top one with Sunrise, but. Yeah. Um, the first action that I went to was crazy. Mm. It was the, I think it was February um, of 2019. And we were doing I believe three sit-ins. I think there was one in Pelosi's office, one in Mitch McConnell's office. And I think the third one was Steny Hoyer, but I'm not positive. I wasn't there. I was in Pelosi's office. And so there was a group of 
people inside her office who were going to get arrested and there were a bunch of us standing out in the hall and um I had never been anywhere where I felt like so invigorated I think like I had never been surrounded by people who were all fighting with literally everything they had there are people risking arrest for the for the exact same thing and everyone there was fighting for everyone else there and they were there because of everyone else there and people who weren't there and that was when I knew I was like okay this is like for real and I have to be involved in this because if I don't I'm going to be disappointed in myself like if I don't stand up and start fighting for this I'm not gonna be happy with myself because I know why everybody else is here so I have to be here for them because they're all here for me um and that was like a clarifying moment mm-hmm. um then the other one I would say is definitely the wildfires action. Like I'm from California and whenever there's a wildfire, we get smoke. Our cabin in Tahoe almost burned down a few years ago because the fire got so close. Um, and I remember when I was little, you know, you know that the fires happen and that they're normal, but they're not really normal. And like the paradise fire, um, and the like the campfire um that was not normal that wasn't supposed to happen pg&e is completely responsible for everything that happened and they they pled guilty um i think that they've been charged with like five or seven pled guilty to five or seven um felony charges at this point and yeah it's absolutely ridiculous um but I remember I have a friend who goes to GW who's involved in GW Sunrise and and DC Sunrise and he texted me and was like hey um they want to do an emergency California wildfires action would you be down to like speak slash get arrested And, um, this was on like Sunday night. And I think that the action was on Wednesday and I was like, yeah, okay. Um, and then all day Sunday and all day, so Sunday night and then all day Monday was, and, and Tuesday we're like planning what was going to happen, trying to get everybody together. We went to a training Tuesday night, um, while, you know the fires are burning across the state people are losing their homes and politicians like Nancy Pelosi are standing up and saying how sorry they are that everything is happening um and neglecting to actually take any action on climate like we all know why these are happening and those like three or four days I think I was so angry um And it wasn't like in February where I was feeling like all of this love and power and like felt kind of in control. Um, I felt completely out of control. I was so mad and I was like, I have to, like, I have no choice but to stand up and fight. I'm going to get arrested because I have to, because I have to stand up for 
my state for like, mm-hmm. you know, next year it could oh, be my house. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I, so Wednesday was the action. We went to Diane Feinstein's office and um, we were there for a bit. And then we went to Pelosi's office and a number of us were inside um, and a bunch of people told stories about their experiences with the wildfires. And then we went outside and sat down in front of her door and one by one Capitol Police came and arrested us. And um, that was when I was like, okay, like this is what I had to do. I feel good about it. And it was the first like relief that I had felt that entire week because I was like, I felt at peace with my decision and like getting arrested is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like, I'm not trying to be like, Oh, I did this like great thing because it was an easy decision for me because I am white and I could afford my, um post and forfeit easily like that I didn't feel in danger at all I mean like the decision to get arrested for anybody is a big deal um and I also felt like I'm not in danger so I need to use the privilege that I have to fight for the people who don't have this privilege as well Mm -hmm. um and like I can put my body on the line so I need to do that um and that was really empowering I think that like the decision because I was I was making a decision that I was 100% in control over right like I could decide to get arrested I knew exactly what was going to happen we had like lawyers come in and explain it to us we weren't in any danger um and I think that that was very surreal because it was a moment where I was like I can take this situation where I feel absolutely out of control and I'm so angry at these people who we vote for to go and fight for us every day. This is their job. This is what we're paying them to do. And they're neglecting to do their job. And people are, people are losing their homes. People are losing their lives. And I can take this moment and I can make a decision that I am in complete control over that reflects how I feel, that will send a message that this is not okay. Yeah. No, and I have, so yeah. that was like a really big moment for me, not only just because it was like risky mm-hmm. um, and my friends were worried about me. That wasn't it for me. It was me being like, I actually do have a voice. I feel like I don't, but I do. and I'm going to use it. And if it weren't for Sunrise and like it, if it weren't for the people that I knew that I was with, that I was getting arrested with, I probably wouldn't have done it. So that was a very long-winded answer, but. No, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I have a massive amount of respect for you and like just 
I never thought about it the way you just like explained it, like using your um the feeling of being so out of control because this is such a large scale issue. And like this is one way that you could be back in control and being empowered through that. I yeah, I have you go girl. That's <laughs> all I would just say. Like that I have huge respect for that and yeah. <laughs> thank you (laughs) no of course I guess kind of like you mentioned a lot about how you were so angry that the people you elected to put in power aren't Mm -hmm. doing their job that they are put in there to do um I guess we could talk we could kind of switch use that to pivot into like the green new deal a little bit and just how Mm -hmm. I guess my question about that is in your opinion do you think that's the most effective way to in the United States, at least, like, forget mm-hmm. about, like, all the other global agreements, but in the United States, do you think that is the most effective legislation that needs to be passed? Is that the only legislation? Is there more? Is there, like, less? Is there, yeah. Yeah, so um, the Green New Deal is the only proposal right now that exists that addresses the climate crisis the way that it has to be such that we can move to 100% renewable energy by 2030. And that's what needs to happen if we're going to avoid this 1.5 degrees Celsius increase in global temperatures, which would create the domino effect of the, um, you know, global climate crisis, mm-hmm. massive storms, droughts, mass migration, yeah. famine, um, the whole thing. <laughs> So, um, the Green New Deal kind of gets its name from the New Deal, right, which was a legislative package um, that completely transformed the U.S. economy. And the Green New Deal would do the same thing. So, it would be a legislative package that transforms the economy. um, And those actual laws haven't been written yet that's why we need to um have the the committee right that's mm-hmm. going to do all of the research and write the laws um and at this point that's our only option that's the only proposed option that um would work mm-hmm. and so What's happening right now that's really exciting to me is there are lots of states that are passing their own Green New Deal. Um, So I can see something like that happening before we get a federal Green New Deal. Um, And if states with huge economies like California pass their own Green New Deal, that is a huge deal yeah and um it's necessary that we have one on a federal scale because it has to be the entire country Mm -hmm. um but right now the statewide ones are are pretty exciting and it shows that people are ready for this people are excited about it and want it to happen and our representatives in the federal government are not an accurate representation of the U.S. population. No, no way, no and way. Not even close. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And state representatives are, I would say, 
a more accurate representation of the U.S. population. Same with local governments, right? Um, so that makes me really excited because it makes me think that if we had a federal government that's actually reflective of the population, then it could it could happen. And that's one of the things that we're trying so hard to win is to get a government that's actually representing us and fighting for us because then we would be able to um, pass the Green New Deal, which is what we have to do. Yeah, do you think, I think obviously in like what we're living in right now, it's very evident that the states can do as whatever they need to do, want to do, but (laughs) they don't have that federal, you know, approval. It's very difficult. But I guess my question to you is, do you think that, I think that, I mean, I at least think that after, this is just like a major pause, this whole virus is just a major pause and like so many, it exposes so many systems within the Mm -hmm. world and the flaws within them. And I think it's a pause and it's a major reset for governments to actually wake up to a lot of problems do you think that like climate change and climate justice is like something that might be after this election hopefully knock on wood that it will become better it'll become more um you know everything will look more like the green new deal the legislation that's passed will kind of have those like foundations or do you think it's just going to be like Oh, that was a little blip we had. This just yeah. doing what we were doing. That's a really good question. We were actually talking about this in one of my classes the other day. And um, I hope that things will change. I actually saw um, Milan is like opening their streets again or doing something, but they're only allowing um bikes and pedestrians and like no cars i think that like and that is a great example of how we can go back to normal but but better Mm -hmm. um and what this pandemic is doing is it's not breaking the systems that already existed it's showing how they were already broken, but mm-hmm. on the scale necessary to actually expose them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I saw something yesterday that said um, that Florida has only paid, I think, like 15% of all of the unemployment insurance claims that have been filed, things like that, mm-hmm. where, like, if we don't, if we don't, um, create legislation that gives our government the power that it needs in order to actually help people, then not only will the like cracks that have been exposed by um, the coronavirus like continue to be there, but they'll get worse, right? Because mm-hmm. when things like regular huge hurricanes are coming and hitting us when we're having droughts and you know like the drought in California is over but like it's not really over it's gonna come back um the opportunity that we have is huge and it's really really important that when we are looking at the ways that our systems have failed us we don't just go back to normal we have to 
rewrite them and we have to rework everything from the ground up. It can't just be a quick fix because usually what our government will try and do is like put a bandaid on a bullet hole. Like it just doesn't. And the band-aids are all being ripped off and bleeding. Exactly. All limbs, all stitches. It's, yeah. Yeah. And it's Um, not clotting. Nothing's. No. Nothing's. Skin is broken, yeah. Exactly. Um, Biden actually announced that he is interested in getting, um, like, guidance from climate activists and um, environmentalists on creating some more adequate environmental policy proposals, which makes me really excited because yeah, no, that's he's, awesome. he's getting the idea that like, if he's going to win the young vote, he needs to step up his game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, start listening to the people who know what they're talking about. Um, so that makes me excited because he is, you know, you're like pretty stereotypical, more conservative, white, old Democrat who in the past has been like pretty stuck in his ways. Um, and the fact that he's like opening up to listening to voices that he hasn't been listening to, that he's been like intentionally ignoring, um, that makes me excited. And it makes me hope that other politicians will do the same thing when they realize that we have this opportunity to um not necessarily start over but really create the change that we know is necessary that lots of people have known is necessary for a long time but that now the entire world knows it's necessary yeah and i think going back to what you said about the um kind of like when past like climate change driven disasters like earthquakes, hurricanes, whatever, droughts, people, it's easy, it's so easy for people, and you do this with any kind of, like, disaster, or, like, tragic event, like, oh, it's not gonna happen to me, it won't happen to me, like, there's no Mm -hmm. way it'll happen to me, but I think if anything, if anything comes out of this virus that changes, even if systems themselves don't (laughs) stop themselves from bleeding, don't, like, put the band-aid back on, or a stronger band-aid, at least it's better, I think at least people will have I hope, my hope is that people will have a newfound, like, sense of, like, empathy for every... Yeah. Because I think that's so huge, especially in, like, climate justice, is if you can't have empathy for, like, not just what the environment's going through, like, but it's so much more easy, it's easier to have empathy for other people that are, like, suffering, you know, like, more marginalized populations that are suffering from climate justice. So just, like, having empathy, like, stuff that you're experiencing right now like how sucky this whole situation is it's like what those people experience all the time not even just in climate justice just in general like you know like in all different types of social justice issues so i hope if anything that the hearts and minds of the people or whatever (laughs) will be shifted a little bit but then again i don't know i guess people (laughs) i feel like we i feel like as a generation we at least i don't know i feel like it's easy to be very cynical about a lot of issues yeah you've grown up in such like uh, a world that's easy to be cynical about but I guess that hope mm-hmm. is that people will have more empathy for the whole situation yeah. and everything yeah. but well, it was really great talking to you did you have any last um I don't know any final words you wanted to say everyone get involved with yeah. your local yeah. climate justice, justice yes justice 
Yes. I was like kind of hesitant because I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to fit in. And like, I don't know if I know enough. All these people seem like they really know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always want to talk about this stuff. So if anybody ever has any questions, feel free to ask me because any of my friends will tell you that I can talk (laughs) their ears off for hours. Um, But the connections that I've formed and the friendships that I've made and um, everything that I have gained from like getting involved in um, this stuff has just been so amazing. And it sounds cheesy, um, but I mean it. It's it's really great. So yeah, if anybody has any questions about Sunrise ever, um, we have an Instagram and a Twitter and a Facebook. You definitely seem like you are on the right path to doing some good things. So thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Of course. (laughs) Thank you so, so much to everyone who listened to this episode. And a special thank you to Louisa for agreeing to let me interview her. Um, And I guess just like one final thing I wanted to do in honor of the 50th anniversary of Earth Day that we recorded this on. I was really thinking after we recorded this podcast and I was looking at a bunch of environmental like justice type poems and I found this one that I thought would be that is kind of relevant so I thought it would just be like kind of nice to leave it off on this note like I'll read this poem and yeah so the poem is called let them not say by Jane Hirschfield let them not say we did not see it we saw. Let them not say we did not hear it. We heard. Let them not say they did not taste it. We ate. We trembled. Let them not say it was not spoken, not written. We spoke. We witnessed with voices and hands. Let them not say they did nothing. We did not enough. Let them say as they must say something, a kerosene beauty. It burned. Let them say we warned ourselves by it read by its light, praised, and it burned. And then there's just one other one that I wanted to share, uh, written by Joy Harjo, called The World Was Once Perfect. Once, the world was perfect, and we were happy in that world. Then, we took it for granted. Discontent began a small rumble in the earthly mind. Then doubt pushed through with its spiked head. And once doubt ruptured the web, all manner of demon thoughts jumped through. We destroyed the world we had been given for inspiration, for light. Each stone of jealousy, each stone of fear, greed, envy, hatred put out the light. No one was without a stone in his or her hand. There we were, right back where we had started. We were bumping into each other in the dark. And now we had no place to live since we didn't know how to live with each other to begin with. Then one of the stumbling ones took pity on another and shared a blanket. A spark of kindness made a light. The light made an opening in the darkness. Everyone worked together to make a ladder. A wild clan person stumbled out first into the next world, and then other clans, the children of those clans, their children, and their children, all the way through time, to now, into this morning, light to you.